is the weekend, my favorite time of the week, hopefully yours as well. This is episode 35 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. As always, what I feel is a pretty great, fantastic, amazing, all those other adjectives type of show. On this one, we have Paul Sr., Taya Katani. She was awesome. Very cool. She's got a lot going on in life. She is on the Hall basketball team right now. She was a cross-country sectional finalist, and she had a very tough decision of what she wanted to do for college, career pass, all that other stuff. I seen something on Facebook where she mentioned it, and I was like, you know what? I really want to talk to her, try to spread the word. It is a very tough situation for juniors and seniors trying to decide where they want to go to college. So she was able to give some advice and some pointers and what she did to make her decision. I thought it was very cool and I was more than happy to have her on and more than excited for what she was able to share with us. Great guest. Thank you, Miss Katani, for joining us. That will be later on in the show. There are some things I want to break down and discuss before then. First, kind of got like our first ad here, which is kind of cool. Always shooting to interact with the community, with the sports world, maybe not even the sports world, just community in general. On. Tuesday, January 28th at 7 p.m. at the Mendota High School Gymnasium. There will be a game, Coaches vs. Cancer, Suits and Sneakers. It is between the Mendota Trojans and LaSalle Peru Cavaliers. They are trying to defeat each other, but Cancer as well. This is a wonderful charity game for both the Trojans and the Cavaliers, like I said. At 7 p.m. Tuesday, January 28th, American Cancer Society will be getting most of the proceeds. They will be getting 25% of the gate entry. They will also get half of the 50-50 raffle. There will be a donation bucket at the gate as well with all of those proceeds going to American Cancer Society, which I feel is awesome. Very great charity process by the LP and Mendota programs. Also, cancer survivors and patients will get in free. Go enjoy some basketball. Enjoy being alive. Thank you for helping you know, with the cancer development research. You know, it affects every single one of us, whether it is us individually, a family member, a friend, a teacher, a work colleague. Somebody has cancer or has been affected by cancer that you know. So this is awesome to have everybody come together surrounded by basketball. Again, 7 p.m. Tuesday, January 28th, most of the proceeds going to American Cancer Society. Speaking of Mendota, on Thursday, Amelia Bromenschickel did it again. So last Saturday, I believe it was last Saturday, the Saturday before, against Rochelle, she scores 41 points. On Thursday, in a 71-22 win against big Northern Conference foe North Boone, Bromo dropped 51 points. 51. You heard me right. The only one that I know of in the Illinois Valley history of girls basketball to score more than 51 points is Kaylee Klein, who dropped 58 as a sophomore. But she had 51 points against North Boone, 28 of them in the first quarter, 40 by half, and all 51 of those points came in only 19 minutes on the court. I mean, in a 71-22 game, you probably don't want your best player on the court so much but 19 minutes 51 points she also had 12 rebounds eight steals close to a triple dub 
She's a fantastic player. If you have not been to a Lady Trojans basketball game, please do. Please do. Amelia Bromenschenko is the real deal. You do not see elite scorers like her on the high school stage every day or every year by any means. So, if you can, get to a Mendota girls basketball game. And just because I love the charity game so much, I want to reiterate, please go to the Mendota Gymnasium at 7 p.m. Tuesday, January 28th. Mendota is hosting LaSalle Peru in a coaches vs. cancer suits and sneakers game. Again, proceeds going to American Cancer Society. I love it so much, I may even say it again. That is a very cool cause that they're doing. I love the coaches vs. cancer games, the volleyball cancer games. Like It is a good charity, a great charity, and a great reason to go to games and help communities out. So that is all the local stuff. There is tons of national stuff I wanted to speak of. First thing, if you did not see the at least the first half, the first half of the NCAA Division I football game, the college football playoff championship, I guess that's what they're calling it now, the FBS, FCS, the F, there's so many abbreviations and things that stand for different things, but what we're going with now is the college football playoff championship game. The first half was very, very interesting. Clemson comes out and scores first, LSU answers, seemed like it's going to be a back and forth game. Well, it didn't last very long as LSU won their first championship since 2007 with a 42-25 victory over Clemson. LSU Tigers were the number one seed coming in, Clemson number three. And uh, besides the first half, once the third quarter started rolling, it was over. It was over. LSU took it to them in the second half, and, and that was game. Joe Burrow, Heisman, quarterback for LSU, went off once again 463 yards he was 31 of 49 on his passes six total touchdowns five of them were passing he had absolutely no turnovers he set the title game record in passing yards and tds total yards in a title game 463 that is insane five throwing touchdowns just amazing and in the game he also broke the single season for the ncaa touchdown passes but he wasn't the only one claiming records Jamar Chase his wide receiver totaled 221 yards for two touchdowns the yards 221 is a CFP championship record it was crazy LSU has been blowing out dominating all season had a fantastic year I know Clemson didn't really look good in this game especially in the second half but they are still that elite team they are the new Alabama they are going to be playing for national championships every year for the foreseeable future. They win them, who knows, but they will be in that playoff bracket, the final four of the NCAA season. They have all the pieces, they have all the horses, they have great coaching, they are the real deal. However, so is LSU. I don't think this was a one and done year where they're fantastic blowing everybody out. Of course, they have to replace Burrow. That's going to be tough. <laughs> Super tough. Heisman Trophy winner. Insane numbers all year. Insane. Absolutely insane. But it is LSU. They will be able to put together a great team. And I see them playing at this level next year. Maybe not as dominant, but they'll still be winning games. And they'll still put their name in the hat to try to play for it for NCAA title. So I think what we saw in this game was kind of what we're going to see in the future. 
maybe not the lopsided score, things like that. But Clemson and LSU are the two teams to beat, with Clemson being the top. I mean, they were on pace. If they would have won, that's three out of four years that they won NCAA championships. LSU hadn't won one in, in 12 years. Clemson knocked off Alabama as the team to beat and off their high pedestal. So Clemson is that team. If LSU does it again, and Clemson gets knocked out by LSU or, you know, a lesser team, then, you know, their, their place has been taken. But until then, it's still Clemson. They were still in the title game. Still had a great first half. Just things were clicking on all cylinders for LSU, and that's what happens. That was a great game. I'm glad I watched it. At least the first half. Uh, I always hate talking about stuff like this, but, I mean, you got to because it's everywhere right now. It seems like there's been a lot of scandals in national sports. I mean, you have the deal with the New England Patriots, supposedly videotaping practices. You have Deflategate, which is also New England. You have steroids. You have all these different things that are going on. And now to add to scandals, we have sign-stealing scandals going on in baseball. We'll start with Alex Cora. He was the Boston Red Sox manager. The headline said that Cora and Boston agrees to split ways. But what happened is Boston pretty much forced Cora out because he is linked to sign-stealing scam with Houston Astros, who won the 2017 World Series. And now there are reports that Boston was doing the same thing, continuously stealing signs from the other team to help them win, which is definitely cheating. So he wins in 2017 with Houston, wins in 2018 with Boston, and he is linked to both scams and has been let go. I doubt he ever is a manager in MLB again. I hope he enjoyed what he was able to do. Everybody keeps saying that, oh, he's such a great baseball mind, but is he really a great baseball mind, or was he just a good thief? And then he finally got caught. I will never know. I don't think anybody will ever know. I mean, he got to the level of being in the MLB by working up ranks, I'm guessing, things like that. So he probably is a good baseball mind, but he was also a thief in the same right, and now he is paying for those wrongdoings, and he is out of a job in Boston. Kamish, Rob Manfred said he was involved in developing both the banging scheme and utilizing replay review room to decode and transmit signs. That was his statement about why Cora is being kind of prosecuted or looking at as a cheater. And like I said, Houston in 2017 won the World Series. Cora was a manager. Well, they had made some firings as well. AJ Hinch, who was the manager, is gone. And so is Jeff Lutchnow, I think I said that right. He's the general manager. Well, he was. They were both gone. But the big deal that I see all over social media is if the penalties and fines and everything that's happening in Houston was actually what they should have got. A lot of people feel like they deserve way more. They only got a $5 million fine. Season-long suspensions for both Hinch and Lutchnow. Lutchnow. They lose 2020 and 2021 first and second round draft picks. Honestly, they won a World Series by stealing signs. I'm not saying that's the only reason they won. And maybe they win without stealing signs. But still, they cheated in the process. The name that keeps being brought up time and time and time again is Pete Rose. He has been blackballed from baseball, blackballed from the Hall of Fame, 
every time his name is mentioned to anybody baseball authority-wise, baseball players, whatever, his name is kind of like shunned. Like, oh, we don't talk about that guy. Because he bet on the game, gambled on the game, as a player and as a manager, especially as a manager who is betting on his own team, the Cincinnati Reds. So I get it. For a long time, he was being punished for something he did that was stated in the rules of baseball. Okay. MLB did its due diligence by holding up to the regulations, laws, things that they had set. Now, fast forward. It is 2019. There is steroids and steroid players that are still on the vote to get in the Hall of Fame. Even though it's kind of hard for them because nobody wants them in there because they were known as cheaters. And now you have these two championship teams that are still getting recognized as World Series winners. And all they're losing is draft picks, a $5 million fine, which is pocket change. In MLB, $5 million is absolutely nothing. Season-long suspensions? Okay, you're going to make me sit at home for 182 games, and then maybe I can find a job and come back and make a million or two or three that following season like I never left. That is unfair in the terms of fairness. <laughs> Seriously. This one dude has been blackballed forever because he bet on the game. Then you have somebody changing the game in the game illegally against rules against protocol against everything else that matters but that's the kind of penalties they get they get a slap on the wrist where this other guy has been shackled to a wall for over what 30 years 20 years 25 30 years over 30 that's insane so let pete rose into the hall of fame or drop all this madness with these weak 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 penalties for Houston and Boston. A year suspension, a couple draft picks. No, make it tough. That isn't tough at all. Franchises like that can bounce back quicker than you can say quick. Make it fair. They have to make it fair. I don't even know what else to say about that. When I see the penalties for Houston, I'm like, this is insane. Like, that's all they're getting? $5 million. That's it? Like, come on. The titles, the rings, all should be turned back in. I don't know if you have a default champ. I don't know if you just wipe out that season, but it obviously hurt the game. There is very, a ton of negative speculation on the game now. First, you just went through this, the steroid crisis. You're trying to get out of the steroid crisis, and now you have people cheating by decoding signs. That's the managers and the players. I don't see any players linked to this. I mean, they're the ones doing it too. They're the ones looking at the signs, helping out, whatever. It's not just the managers. So how are they getting punished? They're not getting punished at all? That doesn't seem fair. That's not right. So they need to re-look into this and see what they're doing here because they're setting some pretty poor standards. And for a game that is supposed to be America's pastime, the one thing you do not want linked to you is pretty poor standards. In other news, kind of happy, kind of sad. I'm going to go with more than happy. Middle linebacker for Carolina Panthers, Luke Keekley retired. He was drafted in 2012, first round, pick nine out of Boston College. I love this dude. He was one of my favorite players. I played in a couple fantasy football leagues. You selected defensive players as well, not just offense. And every single year, I would jump and get Luke Keekley probably higher than I should have. He was usually, no, he was my first defensive player. And I probably picked him over a couple offensive players that I should have picked. The one time I had him, I lost. I missed the playoffs by like 15 points. I had the same record as the sixth team that got in, but he had 15 more points than me. Oh, that was tough. 
But Luke Kuechly is a monster, a beast. I loved watching him play. I spent, right when I heard that he retired, I spent like a couple hours looking at highlight videos. I just looked at highlight videos before I pressed the record button because I knew I was going to speak about him. So let's, let's go over his resume real quick. Like I said, drafted in 2012. He's a 2012 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Seven-time Pro Bowler from 2013 to 19. Five-time first-team All-Pro. Two-time second-team All-Pro. He won the Buckus Award, which is awarded to the best middle linebacker, the best linebacker in NFL three times. Two times he led the league in tackling. Insane resume for a short time. Insane. Insane. And I'm going to miss watching him. I am not a Carolina fan by any means. Bear down, Chicago Bears all the way. But, I mean, you enjoy sports. You enjoy watching other players and other teams as well. And if the Bears weren't on and I could catch a Carolina game and watch Luke, I'd definitely try to. He was a monster. I wish him the best going forward. I mean, it's sad to see players leave as young. He's 28, I believe. 28 years old, stepping away from the game. It's kind of sad, but at the same time, I mean, they've racked up millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. He's had TV commercials. He's won awards, so I'm sure there's incentives in his contract to make that kind of money. And at the same time, every day that he's on that football field, he's getting hit, breaking down his body, bruises, breaks, tears, whatever, head. And the football, you know, CTE is a big deal for retired players or players moving forward after the game. So, you know, good for him. He's made his money. He has a pretty solid resume. I don't know if it's Hall of Fame material, but it is pretty awesome. I mean, seven years on the All-Pro team, <laughs> that's crazy. Pro Bowl is what it is. You know, a lot of people get in there and, oh, I don't want to play, so then they put other people in there, whatever. But the All-Pro team is the best of the best. And he was first team five times. That's pretty special. So I don't know if he makes the Hall of Fame, but I do know he was... A great player to watch, and he will be missed on the football field. That's all I had to say. Talk about breakdown before we get to Miss Katani from Hall. Again, Amelia Broman Schinkel dropping 51 points. That's insane. Very cool, though. I wish I would have been at that game. Crazy, crazy, crazy feat that she just pulled off. And then I will say this one more time because it is amazing that they're doing this. 7 p.m. Tuesday, January 28th. The LaSalle Peru Cavaliers will meet the Mendota Trojans on the basketball court in Mendota. Proceeds are going to the American Cancer Society. Half of the 50-50 will be going there. 25% of the gate, the entry gate. And there will be a donation bucket as well. Plus, cancer survivors and patients will get in for free. So, go support LP and Mendota and also help them support a great cause in American Cancer Society. Well, with that said, we are done with the intro. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. It is Saturday. Tons more Saturday left. Sunday is always a fun day. Football. We got the American and National Conference Championships. Always pumped up for that. I think I've already made my Super Bowl prediction on this podcast, but I am going Chiefs and 49ers. I believe that's who it's going to be. I believe that would be a pretty cool game. If the Titans make it, I mean, that's one heck of a Cinderella story. Man, the best Cinderella story. They entered the playoffs as a sixth seed. 
nine and seven record, and Derrick Henry has been mowing down everybody. If he can get through the Kansas City line, who knows what Tennessee does? But on paper, watching the whole year as a whole in its entirety, I have to go KC and who my friend calls Patrick Mahomes, 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 whatever you wish to call him, fantastic quarterback, and it would be cool to see him lead the Chiefs to somewhere they have not been and have deserved to go. They've had some pretty solid squads in the last couple years and just fall short of getting to the Super Bowl and trying to prove that they are championship worthy. So here's their opportunity. I think they can pull it off. I'm hoping that they pull it off. Well, that's my picks. Here's Taya Katani. Thank you once again for joining us. Until next time, peace. This is a pretty cool edition of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Something I haven't done yet, but I thought it'd be pretty cool. I have a guest in Taya Katani. How are you doing, Taya? Good. How about yourself? I am doing awesome. I am very, very thankful that you decided to agree to, to join the podcast and talk about some pretty cool things here. Yeah, thank you for contacting me. No doubt, no doubt. And the reason I contacted you and the cool things that I'm talking about is you shared with the Facebook world about a tough decision that you had to make. And I thought it would be cool to kind of share. I kind of went through the same tough decision too when I was your age. So I just kind of want to share in, in the process that goes with picking a college. So I saw that you had a dream college and you can tell me the colleges and all that stuff, but you had a dream college that you always wanted to go to. And then now that you're, you know, you're a senior at Hall High School and you're going to pick a college and you did not pick the dream college. Yeah, so ever since I was little, I always knew that I wanted to be an artist and take my career into arts in some way. I knew I wanted to go to a art school where all the funding went to that and I could focus and be with other people that shared the same feelings that I had about art. The School of the Art Institute in Chicago became my dream school since I was little, about like eight or nine. I knew I wanted to go there. I began planning right from there and figuring out what I had to do to submit like a portfolio and for them to see my work and to get accepted. Once I was looking at them my junior year and I was like, yep, this is exactly where I want to go and where I want to be. And I went on a visit and I fell in love with it. And then things kind of changed as I saw, like I had to compare and see like, is this the option that I need to go down? I ended up finding another school that for me was the better choice, even though like I had a dream school and everything and that's where I wanted to go. But I just knew that it probably wasn't the place for me right now. All right. So where are you going to attend the next year for your first year of college education? Planning on going to Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, Illinois. All right. And are you going to still do the art thing there or are you changing majors or what are you going to do? Well, so the reason why both of those schools have been an option for me is because they offer a master's degree in art therapy and that is the career path I'm kind of looking towards right now but one of the reasons why I didn't choose Art Institute in Chicago was because they don't offer a psychology program they only offer art programs and I wanted to choose a major that was more I wouldn't say realistic, but something that if I needed to, I could take different career paths with instead of just having an art degree. 
Southern has a pretty strong psychology degree. So I decided that since they also have art therapy as a master's, I would, it would be a better choice to go there. Very cool. So now are you double majoring or are you going to get a bachelor's in one and then a master's in the other? Yeah, so I'm going to get my bachelor's in psychology and then apply for their master's program because I think only about 10 people get accepted a year into the program or per semester or something. So, yeah, that's what I plan on doing and then like going for my master's in art therapy. So you were thinking, okay, I kind of hate to say it this way, but to be realistic, human beings in 2019 or even, you know, for the longest time, getting into the art program anywhere, it's kind of hard to make money there and support yourself. Was that kind of your thought process? Definitely, because my initial plans um, growing up was I always said I would go to this school and I would study illustration because I really wanted to illustrate children's books. And then people would make comments to me like that's kind of because people go into freelance when they do illustration or any art most of the time. And then you're kind of a starving artist for a for a while. And I knew that I really did not want to do that. And I wanted to have like a job that I could know was secure while still being able to have art involved. Totally understand. You are part of the Edge of URC podcast right now. And it's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm a banker by day and still a journalist and a podcast host on the side. Kind of exactly what you're talking about. I mean, the arts, unfortunately, in our time right now, do not make a lot of money and you can't really survive off that. So you have to do other things. Yeah. And it's not that that's a bad thing or anything, because I definitely was interested in that for the longest time. But just like how I am, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to handle it. It's tough. I definitely have seen that. And just the fact like I've always been interested in like with art, incorporating how people perceive art and how it makes them feel. And I just feel like through art therapy, I can help people while also still being able to create art and and contribute in some way. Uh, let's go back to the process of, of picking the school. You said, you know, they had the psychology program, but how is like the, I guess you call it the mental capacity. I mean, you had said a long time, I mean, eight, nine years old to senior in high school. That's a long time. So decide you wanted to go to one school and then flip to the other. How long did you take to make this decision? Well, I found out that I got accepted to Southern in November. I I knew I was probably going to go there, but like it took me a couple months up until now to even process it because I was so set on the Art Institute. It almost kind of like broke my heart a little bit. I can't even think about it now because it, it kind of makes me sad a little bit. Definitely hard, but I like kind of, I got a piece of paper and I started writing down, okay, this is the pros and cons kind of of both schools and yeah that's kind of how mentally I was able to kind of be like okay I'm good this is where I'm supposed to be is writing a pros and cons list kind of something that you would maybe get advice to you know juniors that are going to be making this decision next year or even maybe some seniors I'm sure not everybody's already got their school picked out is this is that something you kind of would give as a tip Yes, definitely. And like a lot of research because there's so many schools and for me to dwindle down to just two was somehow kind of easy. But I feel like if you're going into, if you're not really sure what you want to do, it becomes even more broad. So 
definitely writing down like I had a whole notebook of just like I would write down to school and then I would write down tuition cost and like what what programs they offer um what I think of their campus and just kind of like being able to look through this notebook and read off each one and see where the comparison is has helped a lot I like the way that you went about it that was pretty that was pretty mature pretty grown up of you (laughs) well I get so anxious about that kind of thing and I just wanted to be able to see my options because I always have this fear. Like I hear about people switching their majors or not liking the school that they're attending. And for me, that was something that I really did not want to face. So, yeah. (laughs) I understand. We have talked a lot about your love for the arts and things like that. What is the kind of art that you like to do? Is it uh, clay? Is it painting? What is it that has been your favorite and something that you wanted to keep doing? My main focus is a lot of ink work. I do pointillism, so I'll do portraits mostly. I pretty much spent a majority of my time focused on drawing people and a lot of like figures and stuff. So I focus mostly with like graphite pencil, ink, like I said. I definitely try to focus on just portraits because there's something about like the element. It becomes really personal when you can draw somebody's face and they can see it. And especially my friends are in sports and sometimes I'll draw them like in like playing baseball or basketball or something. And just to see the reaction or like just to be able to know that I could draw something like that for them. It's just a really good feeling. I bet. I'm kind of jealous of you a little bit. I kind of dabble in drawing a little bit, but I can't do faces. I do objects and I'm really good with letters. I could never do faces or anything like that. So I'm kind of envious. See, that's where my my weak point is. I cannot do lettering or anything, landscaping, nothing. So, oh gosh. <laughs> well, that's cool. I, I'm glad that you got that decided and you can do, you know, both programs at SIU Edwardsville. Good for you. Mm, thank you only thing that i'm kind of disappointed <laughs> i'm just kidding but i went to siu in carbondale so when you first said siu uh, i was like oh she's going but then i remember seeing your facebook post i'm like no she's going to edwardsville but yeah i went to carbondale yeah um my cousin actually went to carbondale and i was looking at their programs there but they didn't offer what i wanted to study and only two of the schools in well two to three of the schools in illinois actually offer my master's degree so i had like no options, but I definitely would have considered there. It's a beautiful area. I won't talk up Carbondale so much because I think I have done it almost on every other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love SIU uh, in Carbondale. I'm glad I went there. It was very cool. Uh, I actually went to SIUE too, just for, uh, it wasn't even a college visit. And I didn't have a friend there. I think we were in the area. Me and a couple friends were, you know, on a little traveling trip. And we're like, hey, let's just go check out this campus. It's the other SIU. Let's check it out. And it was pretty beautiful, too. It was a nice area. Yeah, they definitely are two beautiful schools. Well, this is your senior year at Hall. And you had a pretty successful cross-country season. You went to the sectionals for the second year in a row. Just talk about that experience and, you know, your short but pretty awesome cross-country career with the Red Devils. I quit volleyball going into my junior year for a couple of reasons. I came into cross-country because of my friend Jenna, who is who is also very successful in cross-country, and she's just a good runner in general. Yeah, so I came in, and I wasn't really expecting much. I was scared out of my mind because the last time I ran three miles was like five years before that. 
So my first season could have been better, but I was really nervous and I was just kind of following beside Jenna and trying to see like, okay, what is this about? So then coming into my senior year, I was like, okay, I want to be able to be just as successful as her and to just become stronger as a runner and just see where it take me. By the end of the season, I wasn't where I wanted to be, but I still feel like it was a really great experience being that I had never expected myself to run cross country. Sorry about why you're talking. That was my neighbor called the train, the railroad train tracks <laughs> right next to my apartment. So that's almost every podcast thing. <laughs> I understand that. I have a train next to me too. <laughs> yeah. So that's my friend. We'll just call it the friend. But that is pretty awesome. Glad you had a great cross-country career. Even though it was only two years, I mean, everybody knew your name from cross-country and, you know, you put up good times. When you say uh, Jenna, are you talking about Jenna Parente? Yes. Yes. She's actually here with me right now for, like, moral support, so. <laughs> awesome. Well, shout out to Jenna, too. I know she is. I've talked to her a couple times. <laughs> That's awesome. So now we're in basketball season and you are on the basketball team with Hall as well, correct? Yes. And how many uh -huh. years have you played basketball with Hall? Since my freshman year. What do you think about the coaching changeover? You know, Brian Holman wins four straight regional plaques, had a lot of talent come through his program, and now it is TJ Orlandi has stepped in. What do you think about the coaching change? I had Holman for three years and... To be honest, not much has changed. We kind of have kept it the same, like structure, practices, and all that stuff. So far, it's been pretty good. I feel like we have been able to transition pretty well, and it's been a really fun season. And Orlandi was a assistant coach or JV coach before this year, too, so you had already worked with them before. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with him a little bit then. It's always been good, and we've definitely been having a pretty good season, in my opinion. TJ, I did talk to him. He was on a podcast, and he seemed like a great guy down to earth and somebody that, you know, would be good in a, in a coaching situation. Yeah, definitely. Seeing him transition from JV to varsity, he's definitely stepped up. You can tell that he really does care about us and cares about how we're going to do every single game. The day before, we're going over stuff, obviously, as a team would do. Yeah, it's just been really good. It's definitely been a super easy transition. Well, we're in January, probably about two months of basketball left, and then is spring, your last season of sports as a Hall Lady Red Devil. Are you playing any sports in the spring? Track has kind of crossed my mind a little bit, but I haven't done it since freshman year. And I've spent the past couple years kind of just using the spring, focusing on my grades. And then it's kind of my period where I'm able to like do art because that's when most of the competitions are. So I'm submitting pieces during that time and I'm just kind of taking it easy, running on my own free will instead of practices. And then being able to support my friends in other sports like softball track so i'm not really sure i'm still on the fence but i'm not sure yet if i'm going to do track or any sport okay okay a lot of time to make that decision you mentioned you know putting art pieces into competitions how many competitions a year would you say you put stuff in when i was younger it used to be about like three or four just like there's some that you can find online and they're kind of big and then there's the Three Rivers Conference 
like art competition in the area. It's around like April, May-ish. And that's where like all the schools, like all students can submit their artwork. And then there's some in the summer, I think. The track one is the main one that I submit my art to. Have you won any of them? The awards that you receive that you can win in your category or you can win overall. I've won a couple of first places, a couple of second, a couple of third. So, yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, thank you. Now, when you say the track, the Three Rivers Conference, how many schools are in there? 12, 13? I believe so. Usually when they have it, they invite school, all the schools to attend like an all day, like there's workshops that they offer and such. And then they, and then you watch artwork get awarded at the end of the night, but I have never attended. And it's kind of weird, like, because I've submitted every year, but I've never attended. Well, since you have done many art pieces, do you have a favorite that sticks out that you remember doing or that maybe you have framed in bedroom, anything like that? I'm trying to think off the top of my head because I have two like right behind me, but I'm trying to think. So I did a huge pointillism piece of my niece Harper and it's kind of like she's looking up and she's smiling and then there's like flowers surrounding her. So most of my favorite pieces are the ones where like my kind of like concept that I'm going for for a long time is the relationship between people and flowers and how like just like the symbolism, I try to incorporate both into my work. I don't know, that's just kind of like what I like to work with. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite one is my niece because she means so much to me. Awesome, very cool. Have you done any of Jenna? <laughs> yes, actually. Um, I just finished one in um, graphite pencil like two months ago. So yeah, um, it's like her and then there's lilies surrounding her face, so... Nice, that's very cool. I wish I had a friend that would make photos or artwork. That'd be awesome. That's a very cool thing. Thank you. Well, Taya, I just wanted to thank you for joining the podcast, talking about your tough decision of which college to go to, your artwork, which sounds like it's fantastic. I actually would like you to send me a picture of something that you've done. That would be amazing. Okay, yeah, definitely. So thank you for joining the podcast and, you know, spending some time just talking about cool stuff that you're doing in life. So congratulations to you and uh, your path of success. Yes, thank you so much for contacting me. This means a lot.